0: Thank you, Ramona. Couldn't you just hear the words? It'd be like singing along. Thank you for leading us into worship. Good morning. Good morning. We thank you all for coming, and we also want to thank those that will be joining us via YouTube or CD or DVD this week. We are glad that you have come to help us glorify our Lord and Father. Together. Lent, the 40 days before Easter, a time to reflect, a time to observe God's love, grace, and mercy at work. I know that I am not capable of comprehending or understanding the extent of that love and grace and mercy that's been extended to the world. So for a call to worship, I'd like us to turn to James 1, verse 5. And it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. Let's pray together. O Sovereign Lord, we ask for your wisdom. We ask that as we comprehend the love you have, have for us, We will extend it to our neighbor. Father, as we unite together as a church body, may our love be multiplied. May we become a support and encouragement to our community and our world. Father, you have blessed us. May we be a blessing in return. Father, we praise your name. Bless our time together. Pray this in your name. Amen.
1: Good morning. We get to sing again together. Let's start out with number 167 When I Survey. Song is found in our bulletins. The music is there. It's called "At Calvary." Let's uh, stand for the next two songs. We'll sing one more. In your hymnals. it is number 265. My Jesus, I love thee. To take the opportunity for thanking you for coming to help us and support us on our, or for our fundraising supper that we held on Friday for our um, prison ministry, we raised around six thousand dollars thanks to your generosity, and we will ensure that all of that money goes directly into buying and sending these comic book action Bibles to prisoners. Thank you very much. Let's um, take a look at our bulletins.
0: and I uh, want to highlight some things, and then we'll take the time to pray for some of our church work and concerns. I uh, just want to note um, that there will be no Bible study on Wednesday. Uh, this week, uh, Pastor Victor has symptoms, so he's staying away. And... Um, just want to highlight that we have some new things happening in this church. There will be child care offer offered in the nursery, and there's also uh, going to be children's bulletins available for the children. We have a note of thanks from WorldServe. We raised some some funds for them. We also decided by strong majority last week, week to sponsor the Munuzi family. I think. It's a Praise item. And um, there's further opportunity to be involved with people, uh, refugees, and immigrants. Um, they're going to be coming to Winkler. Um, they're going to come with very little. Some, will, some have some resources that got out early enough. Others are just actually going to need help with flights, um, with accommodation, with food, basically, with everything. So this is an opportunity for us, at a church community, um, to be involved, um, to help, and maybe even make our basements available to some of them because you know they could be arriving very quickly. So this is something to pray about. There will also be a fund that is going to be established to you know, help with this. So actually, it's almost exactly 100 years ago when a number of our us, our families, were helped out of Ukraine. Basically the same place. Very interesting opportunity for us. Um, Neil Schmidt will share just after this about the Gideon's work, so I won't go into that. And um, just a note here on the planning for the future. Um, Some of you may have additional questions and comments. There's a box in the foyer um, you know, for just that. So please avail yourself of that and ask your questions. On Boundary Trails Healthcare, um, there's Dorothy Giesbrecht. There, there's one more person to add. Marina Friesen, she's from the Medora Bay home here in Wickler. That's basically all I would like to highlight at this point. Read, you can read the rest of the bulletin. Yeah, why don't we spend the time and pray about it and bring to the Lord our the work that we're doing in the church community? Father, we thank you. We thank you for um the opportunities we have to serve in various ways. Father, we thank you for the Sunday school teachers, you know, um, and those that are making the making themselves available and spending the time to prepare. Uh, for the men's and ladies, and also the special Sunday school. Father, we also um, thank you for the work that is being done in our committees. And, um, and Father, give them wisdom. We thank you for um, the opportunity to gather together and pray on Tuesday. Father, we want to hold up Don and Shar as they prepare for their future, as they work here, um, and... Um, and work at a distance, give them, give them wisdom and discernment as they decide on what, what their future will look like, how they can best help in the Philippines. Father, we uh, thank you for the children we have, and we're, we're offering more, more opportunities for them to come and to, to learn and grow with us. Father, we have a number of um, ministries that work alongside of the church, Uh, World Serve, Gideon's, and um, Father, thank you for their work. Bless them in what they're all doing and being faithful to you. On Father, we uh, hold up the Ukrainian families that are stuck, that are um, stuck somewhere in 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 the world. Outside of Ukraine already, and some are hopelessly stuck, or are stuck inside of Ukraine. And Father, we know it's not hopeless. Actually, um, we know that with your help and 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 our support, and helping you know them with their needs, that they will um, learn to know who you are through the work that we can offer and the things we can offer, Father. I just ask that you um, walk with Pastor Dean, anoint him, anoint his words, and, Father, that we may hear what it is that you have shared with him and that he's prepared to share with us. Father, bless the, the, the giving. Bless the um, and multiply them. And, Father, I just ask that you bless our time together. I pray this in your name. Amen.
2: Thank you so much for that beautiful music. Wasn't that great? One of my favorite instruments. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm very happy to be here this morning to share with you some of the ministries that the Gideon's slash Sherwood Global is doing around the world. And we want to share some great news from Nicaragua today. A short video will follow my report, and that will give a lot of detail on uh, what we're doing in Nicaragua. Today we're here to raise funds to place Bibles in Nicaragua. As the bulletin states, we are giving an opportunity to place Bibles in in memory of a departed loved one that you wish to remember and those funds and those Bibles will then be going to to Nicaragua. Similar to the memorial Bible plan that we have. Then on Easter Sunday, you will receive the, the names of the donors and in whose memory the Bibles were placed and uh, for your enjoyment at that time. This year, the Bibles uh, that were placed will be, all be going to Nicaragua. The government of Nicaragua has asked that uh, we send them as many Bibles and Hope magazines as we can they they're they're asking for a Bible for every person in their country, and uh, we want to fulfill that uh, request as soon as we can while the doors are open. If any of you have any questions about that or are even interested in maybe going on one of those distribution trips, uh, we can arrange that see me after the service and we can arrange that. I've been to a number of those uh, distributions, been to China, to Italy and Mexico a few times and it uh, changes your life. And so it's a great experience. And also I might mention that we have uh, new greeting cards in the foyer in the rack that we just uh, refurbished and put new cards in there. So avail yourself to those cards when you need them. The video that you will see has uh, some script on the bottom. There's uh, A few people that are speaking Spanish, which probably most of you don't understand, but there's the English script on the bottom, and it is fairly small, so I'm wondering that maybe if you can't read it, I'll give you just some of the highlights that those people are talking about. And he's saying that in the northeast corner of Nicaragua is the community of Waspan, and that's where it started. Most people in Waspan are below the poverty line, and very few have jobs, and they are struggling to survive. And from this remote area, we received a letter from one of the leaders of the municipality asking for Bibles, and this is what she said. In the letter, I made a request for the whole community because we have almost no Bibles in the entire community. And then the pastor comes on and says, there are so many lost souls in this area. Our community needs to understand that the truth will set them free. The mosquito zone is isolated and abandoned where these people live. But God has a plan and a purpose. And he says, we are so thankful that you came from so far away to place Bibles. And then another pastor says, Having the magazine, the Esperanza and the Chispa and the other resources are a blessing to us and a great support to our community. And personally, I want to wish you a very happy Easter, and God bless you all. Oh, I'm just advised that there is no video.
3: I'd like to just elaborate on the announcement for Marina Friesen. I received a phone call yesterday and Marina is uh, in the hospital with COVID and double pneumonia. So uh, she is in quite a critical condition. So let's remember Marina as it'll be very hard for her. She cannot have company at this time because of her diagnosis, and it's very hard for the family. So let's remember them in prayer. And also her co-workers, many of them are affected by her, um, uh, her sickness um, as she is a worker at Gateway Resources. So let's remember them in prayer. So please turn with me to Mark 10, verses 31 to 52, our scripture reading this morning. So it's Mark 10, verses 31 to 52. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. They were on their way to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. "'We are going up to Jerusalem,' he said." And the Son of Man will be betrayed, and the chief priests and teachers of the law, they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Jebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us what we ask. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. When they came to Jericho... Thus far, the reading of God's
4: word. It's good to be in the house of the Lord.
3: Amen. Amen. It is.
4: Yes, where we can fellowship together, where we can sing, where we can listen to God's word. It's always a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. Every day, over 800 Canadians pass away. Some die by accident, disease, disaster, murder, or by self-inflicted or by a self-inflicted wound. And when it time comes our time to go, most of us do not know when, how, or where this will take place. However, Jesus knew all the details and the horrors of the cross and how he was going to come one day and lay down his life for everyone who would believe on him. Long before the world was created, God foreknew that man was going to fall and that he would need a Redeemer. It was with this mission in mind that Jesus entered the world, and he came for that reason. Jesus said in, Mar- Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We'll be celebrating Easter, or more appropriately called Resurrection Sunday, two weeks from now. And this is the greatest event and the celebration on the Christian calendar for the believer. Jesus rose from the grave, conquering death and purchasing salvation for everyone who would place their faith in him. Without Christ going to the cross... And rising on the third day, we would be lost for all eternity. This morning we want to look at three events as Jesus and the disciples journeyed towards Jerusalem, where the crucifixion will occur. The portion of scripture that Susan had read for us, Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 52, will be the focus of my message. And I've entitled the, titled the sermon, On the Way to the Cross. Yes, it was on the way to the cross that Jesus was going. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we realize that when you came, when you sent your Son to this world, he came with a divine mission, and that was to lay down his life and to die on our behalf. How we thank you, and that without Jesus coming, we would be lost for all eternity. Help us to realize that you had a mission, you had it in mind, And Lord, I pray now that as we look into your word, help us to understand that the events that um, you took place that, that were before you, that you went through those events. And Lord, then you laid down an example for us to follow. Help us to learn from the pattern that you set for us from the scriptures. For this we pray, amen. Before we go any further, Here is the timeline that we're speaking about this morning. According to the interwoven Harmony of the Gospels, Orville E. Daniel points out that the crucifixion of Jesus took place on Friday, April the 7th, 30 AD, and the resurrection on a Sunday morning, which was the 9th of April. Thus the last three events in Mark chapter 10 verses 31 through 52 take place right at the end of March or on April the 1st. Which means it is about one week before Jesus is going to give his life for the salvation of mankind. Although I've entitled this, as I said, On the Way to the Cross. On the way to the cross, number one, the disciples' eyes were blinded. They were blinded. They could not see. They did not understand all that Jesus had been speaking to them, that he was speaking to them about the cross. Verse 32 says this. Let me just recap this one verse. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. Jesus fully understood the horror and the price of the cross. Crucifixion was one of the most inhumane ways to die because it was a long, agonizing, painful death. Also his death was going to be different. When he was going to die, he was going to be carrying on his shoulders the sins of the entire world. That means your sin and my sin. Can you imagine all the things that he'd have to have on his back placed as God brought judgment upon him? That meant every sin that you and I have ever committed, and anyone else around the world every gossiper, slanderer, idolater, adulterer, fornicator, murderer, rapist, child molester, molester and the list goes on. And this was going to be upon Christ, and he would face the wrath of God to pay for our sin. Yet verse 32 tells us that he led the way up to Jerusalem. He led the way. You would think that a person who was going to their execution would not lead the way, yet Jesus did. And this all took place in Jerusalem. Jesus was not a victim. A victim has no choice. Jesus had a choice. He didn't have to go to the cross. He could have said and turned around at any time. But instead, he was voluntarily laying down his life for you and I and others. Notice that st- the disciples were astonished while others were afraid. They could not understand because they were witnessing so many miracles. The religious leaders would not dare arrest Jesus because they feared the people. And Jesus spoke about setting up his kingdom. And they looked with anticipation to him doing that. They were confused at this time and they were scared. How could he be doing all these good things and at the same time say now he was going to be dying? He was going to be laying down his life. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 33 and 34. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him, and three days later he will rise. We must be reminded that this is not the first time that Jesus foretold the kind of death that he was soon going to be facing. Mark chapter 8, verses 8, verse 31 and Mark chapter 9, verse 31, Jesus indicates to those who are following this same prophecy. Listen what he says. Back then, twice he is telling his followers what is going to happen. Mark eight thirty one and 32, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Remember the story how Peter takes him aside and he said, this isn't going to happen to you. No way. And Jesus turned and said, get ye behind me, Satan, because you don't have your mind on the things of heaven but on earth. Then again in Mark chapter 9, verse 32, Jesus informed them. Verse 31, 931, pardon me. Because he was teaching his disciples, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. After three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They were scared. They were fearful to ask Jesus about what he was saying. Have you ever been in a situation where you were afraid to ask a question, but you found out something because you didn't want to find out something that you really didn't want to know? For example, perhaps your car was making a clunking sound and you didn't want to understand and you didn't want to know how much it was going to cost. So you didn't ask the mechanic, how much is this going to cost me? Because you didn't want to know. An even worse scenario is going to the doctor for some tests. And when you go to him and he has the results, you almost don't want to go and ask and find out what the results will be. Should he tell you that he has something or or that you have something that is inoperable, maybe perhaps cancer? And perhaps you wouldn't even want to know what it is. In the same way, the disciples didn't want to ask Jesus anymore about what was going to be happening to him. This is how the disciples felt, and they would instead rather remain silent than hear the bad news. So on the way to the cross, the disciples' eyes were blinded. Because of their fear, they didn't want to go that road. The second thing we learn from on the way to the cross, number two, the disciples argue over who is the greatest. The disciples argue over who is the greatest. Verses 35 through 45. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, "Let us sit at the right and the other at the left in your glory." Close quote: What happens in these following verses is shocking when James and John asked Jesus if one of them could sit on the right while the others would sit, while the other would sit on the left in glory. But more interesting is that according to a parallel passage in Matthew's account, chapter 20, verses 20 and 21, we find out that the mother of James and John was doing the asking for them. It was their mother. Who was their mother? Their mother was Siloam. And it is believed that she was the sister to Mary, which would make James and John cousins to Christ. All of this takes place after Jesus had just announced to them the brutal way that he was going to die. And these two were more interested in sitting in positions of honor than they were worried about how Christ was going to die. Is that surprising or could that be part of your life and mine today? But we don't see that We think of ourselves rather than of Christ or others. But unfortunately, each one of us still possess a fallen nature. And unless we surrender to the Lord daily, that ugly head raises itself in us and it brings about disaster not only to others but even to ourselves. As you know, James and John, along with Peter, were the closest ones to the Lord. It seems that they pushed their way to the front. They were up at the head. When there was something that Jesus had got to do, a special miracle, it was Peter, James, and John that followed Christ. And it was Peter, James, and John that Jesus told teachings that he never revealed to anybody else. Therefore, Jesus spent more time with these three compared to the other nine disciples. James and John were known as the sons of thunder. They were men of action and men of wrath. According to Matthew chapter 9, verse 51 through 56, when Jesus and the disciples were heading towards Jerusalem, they sent messengers on ahead to Samaria in order to say that Jesus was coming. And what did the people say? We don't want Jesus to come to our town, to our community. And it was at this time when James and John turned to Jesus and said, do you want us to call down fire and destroy the people. And Jesus turned to them and rebuked them, for this is not what he came to do. But James and John understood that they had power, and they would love to use it on anybody who would reject Christ. Maybe perhaps we sometimes Have righteous indignation, and we'd like to use it in the wrong way. After James and John requested the most honored place in heaven, Jesus makes a statement and asks them two questions. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink, and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Indeed, Indeed, these two disciples did not know what they were requesting or asking. To drink the cup and be baptized indicates the suffering that Christ would go through. No one else would, could do this because he was God in the flesh. And he was the spotless son of God. The only one who could pay the price to redeem mankind. James and John could not do that. They would not do that. It would be too much. And it would be impossible. The positions they sought went along with the suffering, the sorrow, the pain, and the anguish that Jesus was about to go through. However, Jesus did say they would drink the cup and be baptized with the same baptism. James was the first disciple to be martyred. And John suffered as he was banished to the island of Patmos. But they could not die for the sins of the world, only one who is the spotless sin of God could die in the place of sinners. In verse forty-one, we find that these two brothers request—pardon request, me, these two brothers' request made quite a stir. It did. It did. Verse forty-one. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. They became indignant. They became upset. The other ten were so upset with James and John because they beat them to the request of what they also wanted. That's what set them apart. That's what set them on edge with each other because they were all looking for the same thing. They were looking for power and pomp. Jesus spent nearly 3 years together with the disciples. They still were full not fully mature. In the meantime Jesus knew they were in desperate need of teaching on this subject and he took time to give them these instructions. In verse 42 and forward listen what Jesus says once again. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As we can see, Jesus shows that there are two kingdoms and two types of greatness. In the early Fallen, in the earthly fallen kingdom, greatness is measured by one's authority over others and pressuring it to the max on others. In the heavenly kingdom, greatness is measured by being a slave, by being a servant, a servant and a slave to all. What a contrast. I once read a story of a man who painted two pictures of two rooms. One was in hell, and the other one was in heaven. In the first picture of hell, there was a large, bountiful table that was set with all kinds of food that was just imaginable. However, everyone around the table was starving. They were famished. They could not feed themselves because they all had three foot spoons and there they were they were sad they were in anguish they were in pair they were malnourished in the second room which represented heaven, was the same bountiful table that was set. And each person had a three-foot spoon also. However, everyone in this room was filled with joy as they talked and they fellowshiped and as they gathered together. And everyone was healthy because they were serving each other with their three-foot spoons. Serving is the most important And often, we don't want to serve. We would rather be served. And yet, Jesus came. He came to serve. Where there is selfishness, no one gets served, and all go hungry. Jesus is our supreme example of what it means to be a servant. In verse 45, Jesus said, For as I say say again, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we have seen so far on the way to the cross, first the disciples' eyes were blinded. Blinded because of fear. Second, the disciples argue over who is the greatest In the kingdom. And number three, on the way to the cross, Jesus still has time for ministry. On the way to the cross, Jesus still has time for ministry. In the Gospel of Mark, this is the last time that Jesus performs a miracle by giving sight to blind Bartimaeus. As Jesus and his disciples are heading towards Jerusalem, they stop in Jericho. There are two Jerichos. The first one is in the Old Testament city that was destroyed when the walls came down, when Joshua's men blew the trumpet. You'll remember that from the Old Testament. And of course, then the second one that is mentioned here, where Jesus was at this time. John D. Grasmick gives us insight into Jericho by saying this. Jesus and his disciples left Perea, crossed the Jordan, and came to Jericho in Judea. The Jericho of the New Testament times, built by Herod the Great as the site for his winter palace, was about five miles west of the Jordan River, one mile south of the Old Testament city of Joshua, in Joshua 6, two, and 18 miles northeast of Jerusalem. Close quote. Here, Jesus and his disciples meet a man who is crying out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The people around him rebuked him and told him to keep quiet. Yet when Jesus hears his cry, Jesus stops and calls for him. All of a sudden, those around him have a change of heart. And they encouraged blind, blind Bartimaeus to go and see Jesus. Jesus already knew what Bartimaeus needed and wanted. Yet Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? This is the same question that he asked James, John, and their mother, Salome when they asked to sit at the right and the left of um, left in glory, Jesus wants Bartimaeus to express his need and his own faith. Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus replied in four words, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus said, Go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Notice the two requests. Jesus said no to James and John's proposal because it was selfish and they couldn't die for the sins of the world. However, Jesus said yes to Bartimaeus because he had faith. And it was a need. So, what can we learn from God's word this morning? Here are the three things. First, the disciples' eyes were blinded because they were too fearful to ask Jesus what it meant when he told them that he would be betrayed into, uh, into the hands of the chief priests and the religious leaders and to be handed over to the Gentiles and there to be put to death. You and I can only live in fear when we don't spend enough time in God's word finding out all the answers as we study it. We must seek the Lord. We must ask of the Lord, and the Lord will give as we spend time with him. Second, the disciples argue over who is the greatest because they had selfish ambitions. They had selfish ambitions. Yes, even after almost three years of spending time with Jesus. They thought greatness came in Roman pomp of lording it over others. How wrong they were because Jesus pointed out that true greatness can only come by being a a servant and a slave to all. But you know, we all know this for ourselves. But this is often foreign to us because many times we don't or can't live it out. And we're called to live it out to do it. This week, decide who you will be a servant to and to serve the way the same way Jesus served others. Decide who needs to be served today and this week and go out and do it and put your faith to action as well as I myself put my faith to action as we all work together. Third and finally, Jesus still had time for ministry in his busy schedule. He had time to minister to people. When Jesus came to earth and took upon himself a physical body, he became limited to space and time. He set aside his divinity only to pick it up, but he set aside, pardon me, that's not the right words, but he set aside the powers of his divinity. And he became like us. He could not spend the same amount of time with everyone. Yet he had time to minister to this one person with his packed schedule. Today and this week, each person here cannot minister to everyone. We can't all minister to everyone. There's only one of us. But we can minister to someone. We can't minister to everyone, but we can minister to someone. We can pick up a phone and call someone or even make a visit. We can't call everyone. We can't visit every, everyone, but we can visit someone and call someone. When we do, we will touch people who will be very grateful. Let's pattern our lives after Christ and minister to one another. Although it may be only one, two, or three, it will make a difference to those people.
1: Our last song this morning will be number 337, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. We've heard the melody. Let's sing with it.
4: stand for the benediction now I commit to you to God, and now I commit you to God and to the Word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Heavenly Father, as we pause and we come before you one more time, we would ask that you give us the grace and the strength to go before you. To live the life that Jesus lived. We pray, Father, that as we go our separate ways, Lord, that you would place someone on our heart this week that we could go and minister to them, however it may be, whether it would be through phone, whether it would be by visiting them, or maybe perhaps just walking down the hall and greeting different people. I pray, Father, however it may be, that you would give us encouragement. And help us to minister to others as you ministered to so many people. Now I pray that you would go with us. And may your grace rest upon us. For
5: this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated.